What up, everyone? On this edition of the Nets and Celtics podcast, Chelsea Sherrod and I break down the tale of two games, giving the Celtics a 2-0 series lead over the Nets. Marcus Smart proving why he's the defensive player of the year in the NBA. And is it the Celtics defense or KD just running to the ground? We'll finish up with the war of attrition that is the playoffs. Let's go. All right, Chelsea, where to start on this one? Celtics up two games to none over the Brooklyn Nets, and the first game was tight. The second game, you needed a 17-point comeback from Boston. People can say what they want of how the game's unfolded, what's going on with both teams, but these are two wins that we saw the Celtics prove themselves as a championship pedigree team, in my opinion, on how they won it, how their stars performed, how the role players stepped up. Most important of all, they take a 2-0 series lead over to Brooklyn now. Yeah, I mean, George, I would be lying to you if someone told me that the Celtics would go up 2 nothing, 2-zip to the Brooklyn Nets in this series. I mean, I thought that they would split the first two games, especially after Kevin Durant played in the first game. I definitely thought he would come out in the second game and have a huge one. I mean, he finished with 27 points. Um, he shot 4 for 17, though, from the field. And then Kyrie was kind of non-existent, and we'll get into that a little later in the episode. But... I'm shocked. And the fact that you can let the Celtics come back from being down 17. And then we talk about guys like Kevin Durant going over 10, not making a field goal in the second half. Like that's huge. Like that's like, you're one of the greatest players in the world. And he's one of my favorite players to watch and to not score a bucket in the second half. I mean, you're not going to win games that way. So I think that being able to come back from a 17 point deficit, the Celtics had Seven players in double figures in game two. That's big, especially when you have guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who struggled, especially in the first half in game two. I mean, this is a huge win for them. And to go into Brooklyn up two games, I mean, the Nets really right now are on the verge of being swept. And I know that's a far reach for a lot of people, but you go down two in a row, that's tough. And that's a demoralizing second loss in game two because they're up 17. The Celtics were up 15 in game one and blew the lead. And on a buzzer, they needed Jason Tatum to win it for them after he was 0 for 4 in the fourth quarter. Now, this time around with the Celtics down 17, Jason Tatum, to me, what I was seeing from up in the rafters was frustrated that his shot wasn't falling, was flustered a little bit on he just couldn't get an offensive flow on defense playing frankly pretty reckless on ways if he was going for steals when a team is simply just moving it up half court and kind of selling out his teammates behind them into a five on four situation mm-hmm. and then in the fourth quarter him and Jalen Brown clicked Peyton Pritchard yeah. had the big three to give him the lead or two-pointer a big shot to give him a lead but we saw Tatum and ebbs and flow started out hot right in mm-hmm. game one, then cooled off in game one and the fourth quarter before that last shot. This one was just different. He wasn't there, but the role players stepped up big for them. And this was also a game where I thought the Celtics were screwed because of how Bruce Brown was shooting. He had 14 yeah. points at half. JB and JT combined for 14 at the half. Bruce Brown himself was matching them. Then you say what Seth Curry was doing. Well, Goran Dragic, the bounces off the rim, the friendly bounces he was getting, and then his shot was really falling. You're like, this is why they bring in a savvy vet. He steps up like this when Katie and Kyrie aren't in tune. But they out-toughed that. And what's huge was the Celtics, as bad as the first half was, they were down just 10. Mm-hmm. The Nets. The game started with a 9-0 Bruce Brown run. Yeah. 
Yeah. Let's say two good shots from double B. All right, a 5 0 run. So then they're within five. You, you see, you take away those little moments and you go, okay, the Celtics didn't play as bad. Your boy stepped up big. The guy you were calling before the series, you said yeah. you, had good, you had big Grant Williams energy going into this one. And he yes. put through for you. He proved you right. Yes. Thank you. know, I appreciate you giving me this credit. From I'll give you my flowers, episode. my friend. I'll give you my flowers. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, we talked about who are some players to watch in this series. And I thought that Grant Williams would be huge, especially because they're missing Rob inside and Daniel Tice is a liability because he always gets in foul trouble. And Al Horford, granted, he's, you know, found the fountain of youth and we talk about that all the time, but he can only play a certain amount of minutes. And granted, he played great in game two as well as he did in game one. But Grant Williams, I think for him, especially in the first half and in the first quarter when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown went, I think it was one for seven in the first quarter field goal wise. Grant Williams kept them afloat in the first. He went on an 8-0 run where he scored eight straight for the Celtics to end the first quarter. He came in and started the second quarter with a three-pointer. And then his defensive prowess, like he ended the first quarter with that block on Bruce Brown, which I think was huge because Bruce was going off in the first quarter. Yeah, and he was talking so much. And I think that they did miss a little bit of just Rob's energy and his length, especially inside with Bruce Brown. But one thing that I do also want to go back to is the fact that we talked about this in the first episode was that the Celtics are just deeper than the Nets. And that showed in this game. I mean, you have seven players in double figures. You have Grant and Peyton Pritchard coming off the bench. Peyton Pritchard had 10. Grant had 17 and he had six rebounds. I mean, that is huge for them. He was perfect. Four for four from the field, hit three threes and perfect at the free throw line. What was big at me on this one? Who was the guy that at the trade deadline was massive acquisition? Oh, when he comes into the game, he's a playmaker. He's decisive. His shooting isn't there. Derek White only played 13 minutes last night. I'm not going to go into his impact because you know what he does defensively. But Mm -hmm. him only playing 13 minutes and they get the win to come back from down 17, that's massive. You see that. And also what I like to Al Horford, after playing 41 minutes, I believe, in game one, only 32 in game two. We joke about the bound of youth. He has a days off in between games, yeah. but he gives a good break. They'll have a few days off as they go to as they go to Brooklyn. So I think it's big. Yeah, Grant Williams, they needed that energy. And mm-hmm. he provided at the end of the first quarter with that run. Yeah. And him and Bruce Brown, you mentioned the block, and he had words for him. So he he said, We're here. We, we joke about Grant Williams wanting to be called Batman. Hey, he, he was earning that Batman to me with that run. <laughs> it was big. 13 points at half. Daniel Tice had nine. Al Horford had 10. Also, yeah. The Nets shot 62% from the field in the first half. That is the best any team has shot in the first half against the Celtics this season. And Curry, Drogic, and Bruce Brown had 38 of the Nets' 65 points, while Tatum, Brown, and Smart had 20, just 20 of the Celtics' 55. The role Mm -hmm. players kept them afloat, they kept them in it, and they kept making plays when they needed to. So when your stars are having a really bad night, do you have that depth? You mentioned it, and I agree with you, because they have a lot of guys that can step on the floor and make plays. Mm And the Celtics proved that they did have that. I was so impressed. Nine turnovers in the first half from the Celtics as well. It was yeah. it was uncharacteristic, weird basketball. I think they were a little bit rushed. Yeah, they were a little bit antsy. The crowd, you could feel it because game one was tense. Mm-hmm. Game two was even more bottled up, and it goes into what is Kyrie going to do? How are they going to guard him? He was literally the point god. No offense to Chris Paul, but he was the point god in game mm-hmm. one. And what was it going to do? And you just felt the tension in it when they were, I don't want to say big plays, not minuscule plays, 
the normal plays, but it was, yeah. if it was Tatum with a steal or JB with a layup, the crowd lost it because they just wanted to take the top off. If right. There's five turnovers in the second half, and we go into what they did in the fourth quarter when Jalen Brown finally woke up. It was big. It's just, I can't say it enough. The, the Boston Celtics, to me, when it comes from series to series and when it comes into this postseason, mm-hmm. they will go as far as Jason Tatum will take them. Yeah. But if you can come back from down 17 with Tatum on an off night, your role player stepping up, making the plays needed, mm-hmm. and beat a team led by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and have both of those guys on an off night, that's a championship team. That mm-hmm. is proven to me. You've shown what you've done since January. You've taken it into the postseason. You had to gut it out, grind it out, win in game one. But when your guy, the best player in this series, is not having a good night at all, and you win, and you come back the way you did, and you really send a message to the Nets, that's a championship team to me, Chelsea. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes this win so impressive. But I do have to give credit to the Nets. I mean, their defense showed up, especially in the first half, obviously. Um, and that was kind of surprising because we're used to the Nets kind of getting up and down. And, you know, for this series, previewing this series, we've only been talking about the Celtics defense. But the Nets, they came ready to play. They played strong and with force defensively. And they also controlled the pace. I mean, also, t- you just said how the Celtics were kind of rushed and they were playing a lot of ISO ball to begin and their shots weren't falling. And the Nets controlled the pace. KD got his shots off in the first. I mean, he was looking really, really good in the first. And then Bruce Brown was creating. He was scoring. Um, we talked about that 9-0 run in the, um, to start the game. But the Celtics, one thing that I love about the Celtics, and I guess this is also a thing that you can hate about the Celtics, is that they are a juicy contradiction. Just like a star, a starburst, they are a juicy contradiction throughout the whole year, especially in the beginning. We talked about how they completely lose it in the fourth quarter, right? Even in um, in game one, and even when we talked about their last regular season game against Miami, they completely dropped the ball in the fourth quarter. Granted, they came out of game one with a win, but in this game too, it was like they came alive in the fourth. And they obviously came back from a 17-point deficit, but they held KG to no points. So it's like, I think that that could be uh something about their immaturity or their lack of of consistency but the fact that they were able to turn around and flip the switch and come back from that deficit shows that you can't count them out but it also is just like okay what are we going to get from them every night and I think in the second half of the season especially when they went on that crazy run um we started to see a little more consistency or at least we thought we did but I think from game one to game two we obviously are seeing a little bit of inconsistency, but the fact that they are able to pull it out. So. It's the playoffs. Yeah. People, they've got your tape. They got your film. A win yeah. is a win, right? Because game one, right. you'll say, all right, we just held KD to an off night. We won on the buzzer. It's not pretty, but it's a win. It's a 1-0, right. especially starting out at home. You get, you take care of your home court to start the game. And we see, we were talking about, you have to get these role players off to a good start because their defense will travel. We don't know if their scoring will, but yeah. you can't waste away a night, especially at home for Grant Williams to find his shot for Peyton Pritchard to build up his confidence as well for Al Horford to continue to do what he's been doing as well, because these through these two games, 18 points, 10 and a half rebounds. I think he's shooting around 60% from the floor, hitting it from three as well. And I, Hey, we got to give credit. I mean, he's the third best player on this team and you can argue between him and Rob Williams, but the guy rolled up in his defensive player of the year robe. He showed up for a fight, Marcus Smart. Kyrie yeah. Irving, 
I saw uh, Dan Greenberg from Barstool tweet these numbers out. Marcus Smart matched up with Kyrie Irving. 37 possessions allowed four points to Kyrie Irving. Mm -hmm. Given three days ago, he couldn't miss anything. He had an all-time right. performance hitting six to seven shots right. and plays in a basketball game. I'm like, I don't think I've seen that before. I don't think I ever will. On KD, seven possessions, two points. On Seth Curry, six possessions, just three points. Right. The guy can defend one through five. He can switch on everything and protect around the rim and play around the rim. He starts on the perimeter, can guard anyone. And it's defensive player of the year, and I get that with this award. But while you're running the Celtics offense on the other end of the floor, mm -hmm. to go and do that on defense, mm -hmm. pick up the toughest assignment or the second toughest assignment, night in and night out, forget about it. This guy is defensive player of the year. I'm mm -hmm. happy the lid was finally taken off for the guards because mm -hmm. especially how the NBA has been the last 12, you know, 15 seasons of developing into an outside to inside game and, you know, yep. four out, one guy in how skilled the guard play is. And honestly, how skilled forwards are playing right now. These guys at these size coming into the league, it's about time someone that plays on the guards and protects and guards the best athletes on the floor gets his due. And Marcus Smart showed up big time because it was all, how are you going to give it to him the day after he lets up 39 points against Kyrie? Mother, Haters. He was, yeah. You just Haters. like, just, just people. And I get it with his antics early on in his career, there are a lot of people that got out on front of let's get Marcus smart out of town, trade him for assets. See what you want. I don't like him. He's not the point guard for the team. Mm -hmm. He's not a good enough player to keep around. He's diluting this team. And they just don't want to say, you know what? I was wrong. Maybe this guy is good. It took him a while. It took him a yeah. while. He's been in the league for a minute. It took him a while, but if he found his role and he sustains this, because huh? something was said to him, someone on that coaching staff, I don't know, it was Demont Sotomayor. I don't know if it was, you know, himself. I don't mm -hmm. know if it was a Jays. Someone pulled him inside and said, if you play this game, that's when you'll be your best showed up defensively it's shown up offensively for him i will get off yeah. my box for marcus smart but i just love it i just love it and i love how he shut everyone up and he i he continue will continue to do the same too yeah i mean he's the most deserving of the award and marcus has talked about his role and how he's always played point guard so that's where he feels most comfortable and it is really really nice to see that he's able to play in a position where he feels like he can contribute the most to his team. And then he's rewarded for it. We always talk about how defense is all passion and it's all heart. And obviously Marcus isn't shy about showing that on the court, but like we talked about before when we were making our predictions of who would get this award, um, the Celtics defense has been their storyline for especially the second half of the season and how they turned their season around. And so the fact that Marcus Smart led the charge for the Celtics, who made the best comeback and the best turnaround out of all teams in the league this season, for him to win this award was great. And I mean, and, and also for it to be the first point guard to get it since Gary Payton in 96. I mean, that's a long time. That's and it's a, a glove. Time. Yeah. All time defender. Right. Like that is that is huge. Like that's a huge accomplishment. Um, so for him to do that and also to have a great game in game two, I mean, five for six from the free throw line, I'm huge on free throws because you wouldn't, you lose games at the line. I mean, mm -hmm. I was always taught that, mm -hmm. um, but for him to come out, have that, he also had a steal and five assists and 12 points. Um, I think it's great. And I think that all of his guys are backing him. And just like Jalen Brown said, the energy shift, I think the fact that Marcus got that defensive player of the year was also some added momentum for the Celtics. They get in, they get around their guys. I think it's just moments like that, too, that brings the team closer together. Yeah. It builds up his confidence. It builds up their love for one another. You saw how, how excited Rob Williams was for mm -hmm. Marcus Smart winning it. Rob Williams was getting votes himself for Defensive Player of the Year. It's just they, this team, and even at moments, you mentioned how they were playing out of character. Out of character. You know, at, their yeah. offensive game was taken out of it. 
I won't forget, it was in the second half. Jalen Brown had the ball on the right wing outside, and everyone standing to his left, all the shooters had to point to each other to move. JB looked confused, looks up, eight seconds left on the shot clock, goes to dribble off his foot on forced turnover. Mm-hmm. The offense was literally just out of sync. It was like, what's this yep. iso ball happening that you brought up? Yep. The ball movement was, wasn't there, and then all of a sudden it started clicking. And then you go down to for how they played, but it, it goes to Marcus Smart as well. And, you know, he had a great offensive game in game one, but then he follows up in game two, 12 points, five assists, mm-hmm. but that's right around his normal average. I had him mm-hmm. outperforming in game one because mm-hmm. I liked him in that spot, but he went in and you want to say for free throws, but he did five for six from the floor too. But it is, it is just going out there. They know their role. They know what they serve and for how they stepped up from Al Horford to Daniel Tice to Grant Williams, and yeah. Pritchard, when he got on, man, I mean, five for yeah. seven from the floor. That was insane from Pritch. Yeah. Get them to a point, let your stars close it. And that is, that is exactly what happened for the Celtics. Right, right. It was, it was definitely nice to see uh, equal opportunity and them sharing the wealth with each other on the floor. And they needed every ounce of that to get mm-hmm. this win. Um, but talking about like the point guard play, let's talk about Kyrie too, because obviously he is currently uh, in Ramadan. So that is having an impact on. You have to fast from sunrise to sundown. And uh, I don't know. I haven't watched during the game what he does, but that even includes like when it comes to water. I know people that practice Ramadan athletes that do at most take the Gatorade water bottle, let's say square water in your mouth, spit it out. Just you get that feeling on your lips. It helps. I don't know if he's drinking water. We saw him literally sunset 732 ish Mm -hmm. in Boston, left the game, went to locker room. See him yep. eating a banana on the sideline. It's yep. yeah, it's it's Kyrie versus the fans versus defense versus Ramadan right yep. now practicing, yep. and yep. he still scored thirty nine points in game one. That was a three o'clock tip, so he couldn't eat anything, drink anything mm-hmm. during that game. Mm-hmm. Game two, I mean, I'm a credit the defense, but at the same time, you wonder what it is like the toll on his body with the minutes he's playing. How yep. reliant Steve Nash is on him and Kevin Durant and how yep. it's affecting their game. Yeah, definitely, and I mean. Obviously, he's going to be impacted by this for now. But I think that one thing that if you're looking at this series as a whole and you're saying, okay, the Celtics got the first win and KD was off, right? Kyrie goes for 39. Kevin Durant didn't play his best game, even though he finished with, I think, 23 in the first game. Um, And then you go, okay, the second game, KD goes off for 27. Obviously, we hold him for 0 for 10. But Kyrie only scores 10 points, and he's not even playing the full game. So he, I think he's non-existent. For, right. So I think for Nets fans, they're saying, okay, you guys haven't even seen both of these guys together playing their best game on the court in this series yet. So when that happens, how will the Celtics respond? And I think that's what we're going to see when they go to Brooklyn, when they're playing on home court, when they have their fans in the stadium or in the arena, um, when both of these guys are on, and that's what my anticipations are, how will the Celtics respond? And then how will they maneuver and adjust so that they get a win in Brooklyn? Uh, But yeah, Kyrie, I mean, that was tough for them. I mean, losing a game by seven points and having them come back from being down 17, there are points, obviously, KD couldn't hit a shot in the second. You're looking for your second guy, and it's Kyrie, and he's not there. So what do you do? And that's when the depth comes in that the Celtics just have more than the Nets do. They definitely got that. And I just think defensively, too, because you could say, I guess you give them the benefit of the doubt, these two guys, but I think the minutes is catching up to KD. He's out oh, there 40, for sure. 41, 42 minutes a night. Sure. When he was... 
six games back from his sprained MCL, he was back up to a season average of 36 minutes a game on the floor. Yeah. It keeps going up. It keeps hiking up throughout the postseason. As good as KD is, when you're playing in this physical of a series against this defense, against a guy that's going to fly paper you like Jason Tatum has been doing and muscle you and for Tatum as big as he is and his size and how strong mm-hmm. he is, it's going to affect you on top of all that with the minutes and his age and coming off a sprained MCL midway through the season and never getting a break and how reliant mm-hmm. you are on both ends of the floor. I think it's all catching up to KD at that point. So yeah. he's having these bad performances. I'm crediting the Celtics defense. Mm-hmm. He was do- he did a better job, and the Nets did do a better job of giving the ball at a point of attack, but also giving him off screens where he can start to dribble, not just pull up and shoot, kind of yeah. getting to his spot and finding it. But at the same time, even towards the end of the game, he was getting to you know the left or right elbow, getting to his mid-range, off the dribble, not even hands in his face and missing shots. And that yep. jumped out to me because he doesn't miss that. That yeah. is fatigue, and that is a real thing. As great as Kevin Durant is, one of the best scores we'll ever see, one of the best players we'll ever see on the mm-hmm. NBA floor, he's a human being end of the day. And you got to think of where his body is at. And like I said, and as physical as a series as this is, we're just two games in, but for what his body's been through to close out, they had to play a playing game against a good defensive team like the Cavs. You wonder where KD's body is at. Exactly. Especially over 10 in the second half was his worst shooting half of his career and that's regular season and in the playoffs and also one thing that will help shut down Kevin Durant especially given how he performed in game two is don't send him to the line he went 18 for 20 18 for 20 from the free throw line four for 17 from the field don't send him to the line and I know he got some from Tice he got a from uh Derek White um but just keep him off the free throw line. If they kept him off the line, I mean, this could have been a much bigger deficit. They probably wouldn't have had to come back from being down 17 to win this game. And granted, the Celtics came out with the win. But going 18, taking 20 free throws in a game is literally nuts. And obviously, KD, you know, he has a lot of size. He can just shoot over someone. And the way that he moves with the ball, it's extremely hard to guard. But like 20 free throws... You can prevent that. Yeah. And it also comes down to how the refs are calling it because foul, the foul calling was all over the place. True. A lot yeah, of they whistles. Were they weren't great. But they're going to stay. You got to stay in KD's airspace. You got to be yeah. physical with them. And you're going to live with that. 20 is way too many. Yep. But at the same time, you send the guy to the line 20 times and still keep him out of rhythm because he never felt comfortable. He never yeah. looked comfortable last yeah. night. Kyrie never looked comfortable last night. To me, that's kind of you live with that if it goes to it. And credit to Tatum, because when he's his primary defender on Kevin Durant, KD has eight points in this series, shooting 15% from the floor, no threes, no assists, seven turnovers. And Jason Tatum's doing something we've never seen before on an NBA floor, blocking Kevin Durant's shot. The block he had last night was unreal. That was nuts. And it goes back, I mean, credit to JT and his athleticism, is Kevin Durant just not have that explosiveness, how quick he is because of the fatigue. I think it all factors in. But it's, yeah. it's insane to see that because that never happens. It's like seeing a God bleed. That never <laughs> happens. Right, right. There's no drop-offs in the Celtics defense, which I love. And I feel like when they're all bought in and they have been, they wreak havoc on defense. Like, it is so tough. And they have such great defensive possessions, even though, you know, you have guys like Bruce Brown and there could be, like, miscommunications on some possessions. But the fact that, yeah, like there's like there's no drop off. He did not feel comfortable at all. And if you can do that throughout the rest of the series, I mean, you're going to take it. You're going to win the series. 
What are you thinking for game three? It's 7.30 tip in Brooklyn. No Ben Simmons. He's reportedly going to be back for game four. No Rob Williams, but he's traveling with the team to Brooklyn, which I think is huge. I don't think they're going to need Rob Will back for this series, which is big too. But game three, first one in Brooklyn. What are you thinking on this one, Chell? I think that the Nets come out with a vengeance. I think they're saying, you know what? We dealt with the Celtics fans. We dealt with their environment. Uh, We have two games under our belt. We have to get this one. And I think they're going to come out swinging. I mean, they came out swinging in this game. Unfortunately for them, uh, they couldn't follow through with that and take the win. But I think that game three, I think the Nets take it. If they go down 3-0, that's insane. I don't see them going down. Yeah, I don't see them going down 3-0. I think that KD and Kyrie, especially for Kyrie, I mean, dealing with, you know, him practicing Ramadan and trying to figure out what's best for his body in order for him to perform at a high level during this. I think that some of it might be a little bit of trial and error for him. You know, what works? What could I do throughout other parts of the day or starting my day that will help me um, stay hydrated and ready to go? I think that with the intensity and the energy of Barclay Center, that they're going to take that and they're going to run with it. So I'm thinking that the Nets take game three. What do you think? I, it's so tough because of how the Celtics have performed and how they played defensively. Yeah. And you give that adjustment to me of, and it's going to be the argument Nets fans had from game one. You barely yeah. beat us, but Kevin Durant had an off night. Well, the Celtics stormed back and won with Jason Tatum on an off night, but their role players all stepping up. Yeah. It's so tough to bet against Kyrie and KD in game three. And the series is so far from over with that 2 nothing series lead. I do see that the Nets, if they have to get one, I think it comes in game four. I don't okay. think it comes in game three. Okay. It could be a little bit of a boost because you can say what you want about Ben Simmons dropping himself into a defensive rotation and just playing man D and he hasn't played since June. But I think that will have an impact and it can go into, they go up 3-0, they are rolling. How do they come out in game four? Is it flat there? Is it also though, is a Brooklyn crowd deflated at that point too Mm. i under i get what you're saying i like that point of playing off the crowd and you can't dilute how big home court advantage is Mm. it has been massive for the barclays too i think they love especially with the villain that Kyrie has become in boston the way they'll welcome him and cheer for him in brooklyn could elevate his game i mean the crowd brought the best out of him in game one and game two is a whole nother story and they were relentless on him but i do see the celtics getting game three I'm just going with the human aspect here. I just see game four being the one they drop it. And it could be part of the Ben Simmons factor, but for all we know, with Ime Odoka, he could have the perfect game plan of every time Ben Simmons on the floor, make him shoot, make him go to the free throw line, make him be the scorer for them. You never know where it could go from there. Yeah. That's who I would send to the line saying if this oh, is, a thousand percent. Game, I would definitely send Ben to the line instead of sending KD to the line, but okay. You have game four. I have game three, the Nets taking, but we both agree that we think, after these next two games that the Celtics will be up three, one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, I can't believe I'm a that. shift. I'm a shift. Like cause Celtics in six, I was locked on. Okay. I just see the nets are so out of sorts. They can't defend. They cannot defend. They can't get yeah. a stop. And if you're going to try and switch on everything and you're going to lie heavy on these minutes for your stars, it's going to add up for them and affect them. I do think it goes, I, mean, I guess Celtics in five. Wow. And it's, what is crazy. What's crazy is that. If the Celtics got a sweep, would I be surprised? No. I would a thousand percent be surprised. I mean, I would. I would. I would. I would just be like, you know what? This team's that good that they can do that. Mm -hmm. And with the Nets of how bad they are in certain spots, they are that bad too. Mm -hmm. 
think it lines up. Celtics and five would be dope because that would be wow. Celtics and five clinching the series at home, which I always wow. love. You know? Wow. Yeah. So I had I had Celtics and seven to start the series. I had them in six. But my mind anticipated that they would split the first four. So that would mean yeah. that Brooklyn would have to win these next two at home. And after, especially after game two went and you're giving up these huge leads in the playoffs, I don't see them winning these two games at home. So it could potentially be Celtics in five because I definitely see Boston winning at home. They have to win at TD Garden, I think. If they... If the if the Celtics still won at Barclays and they yeah. come back to the Garden three one lead, I don't care what Ben Simmons is showing you. I yeah, I just think that would be wraps because yeah. Boston fans, what the Garden has been, the Raptors were shaking. The Raptors were shaking at <laughs> TD Garden. It was insane. Like I said, the top for a routine layup for a normal mid range shot for any three that was hit, especially by Grant Williams when they get the the mm-hmm. other guys to step up. They were going absolutely ape. I see <laughs> if it's a 3-1 series coming back to Boston, I would book it in five. Oh, and yeah. It goes back to credit. I mean, for Ime Odoka too. Jalen Brown pointed out after the game, Ime's poise never went away from the game plan. He never panicked. As That's Greg coach. Popovich. That's Greg that is. Popovich. That's the pop in him. He's been around. Yeah. That's the pop in him. Trust it. You know how good this defense is. And Ime knew it too. And he probably saw what we were saw- seeing. And he knows that it wasn't like they were going out running their routine offense and it was getting stopped. He saw the ISO ball falling. He yep. saw that the bounces that Goran Dragic were getting. And I just don't know if the Barclays center rims will provide that same bounce. It's home court. Your shots can be better, but for yep. him, Seth and Bruce Brown, I don't know if it's going to be the same for them, but he stood there and he knew he goes, if we just go with what we're supposed to and play how we will, that's how mm-hmm. we get this win. But I give him credit. And for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving combined 26% from the floor in game two, their lowest shooting percentage as teammates for the Nets. They played 55 games together. That was their worst offensive game ever. They have the dudes. They just, yeah, they just got the dudes. Sometimes postseason basketball comes to who's got more dudes. They've got more dudes. And there is, you got to factor in coaching into the postseason. They have the upper hand on, on the coaching staff. Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand. It's just, again, I mean, we've talked about this, George, like, prior to throughout the season, but it's just so impressive what Ime is doing in his first year as a head coach, especially with this roster with a lot of young guys. But we also talked about how they all have bought in to his culture and to how he wants to do things and how he wants them to play. But there's something in me that just says that the, you know, the Nets are going to come out fiery in game three, especially being back home. I mean, Playing in front of Boston Celtics fans, especially for guys like Kyrie, I mean, that's a huge factor. That is a huge factor. KD could not get any shots to fall in the first and in the second game. But I just, I'm, I have an inkling that I feel like they're going to take game three. They're at least going to take one of these games in Brooklyn, and then we'll see what happens from there. Were there any middle fingers on uh, game two? I didn't see. <laughs> I didn't see any. I just want to see if you caught any of that. I did it. <laughs> He wasn't out there much. So, I mean, the, the, the time of him being on the court was, you know, to throw him out wasn't, wasn't too long. I see. I just see it all. And I just think the fasting part for me fascinates him. I uh, respect Kyrie for following mm-hmm. that and yeah. doing that and how he speaks about it. I know that's anyone for Islamic faith, anyone that's, that follows that. It, it's so big for them to have that representation and see it, you know, yeah. on a national world stage because what NBA is. But when you're in as physical as a series as this is, 
the effect that the fasting has on you along with your minutes, that's just magnified. Yep. And then you have Marcus Smart taking over the majority assignments against you. Mm-hmm. you Got to be at 100%. I get mm-hmm. it. Why he's doing it. I mean, it's how it timed out, you know, but yeah. for him, I just see it affecting their. It's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. No, no, not at all. And you go to how the games got better for the Celtic superstars. Jason Tatum finally hit a shot. Jalen Brown had 10 of the 12 points for the Celtics run to take the lead. So Pritch had the go-ahead shot, but JB had everything in between. And that was big. I just see that they're going to keep picking on Kyrie. They're going to go out of their way to do that, especially isolation on switches with Tatum, Mm -hmm. with with JB, with Marcus Smart, with whoever. They're going to continue to pick on him. And at the same time, there's going to be physical as heck with these those two guys for KD and Kyrie. Make their lives hell, make them uncomfortable, never let them get comfortable in the first place. And that's why I see it could be a huge deciding factor in this one. Yep. Yep. I agree. I 100% agree with that. Jason Tatum's also just like really hard to guard. And I feel like for some reason, people don't realize that. But JT, like, he put on a lot of weight in the offseason. We talked about that a lot of muscle. I mean, he's a great size. He gets his shots off when he needs to. His bag is bottomless. Like, Back to the basket. Big bag energy. Off, big bag. Big bag energy. I like that. <laughs> shooting off the dribble, catch and shoot, whatever way you want to go. Yeah, yeah. He could, he could just do it and do it all right, on an elite we level. About this the other day, he looks like a young Kobe. There's a couple shots that he took in the first and in the second where it's like, whoa, that was a little Kobe-esque. And we that talked about bag. that. Yeah, he, that was a huge mentor for him. He was drafted um, in 17. He was too young for Kobe's first three rings, but he had to have been, what is he, he's 24 now. I hate doing math. He was like 11 years old when Kobe got his last two rings. And even before that, I mean, he grew up around the game because of who his dad was and all that. So he obviously knew how great Kobe yeah. was. Yeah. But you see that effect now. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of Kobe in this postseason. Oh, my gosh. Devin Booker drafted in 15. Kyrie in game one drafted in oh. 2011. So, so Kyrie was around for his first three rings. Obviously really appreciated his second. Mm-hmm. His fourth, his fourth and fifth for Kobe. D book and, and JT are in the same phase of those last two ranks from Kobe's what they grew up and put mm-hmm. in the bag. That's been a lot of fun to see. You just see that players like him, as special he was, they transcend the game. And then for his case, transcends his life. And yeah. we're seeing it when you're seeing shots made, you go that that's the, that's the Kobe effect on the game. As much as you talk exactly. about the step effect, you see where these guys get their game and mid range of what they do. That's the Kobe effect there. Yeah. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. I love it. Now. I mean, so we could look, let's go a little broad on the postseason and wrap this up. The big picture, yep. I want to start with, oh, wait, wait, wait. I got to give you more flowers, actually. Oh, my gosh, all the flowers. More flowers from George. He's a great guy, ladies, if you didn't know. Kelsey, I great appreciate, guy. You. appreciate you. <laughs> the Bucks and Bulls. I said the Bucks will sweep the Bulls, bet the house on it. You said even if DeMar drops 40, and I go, hell no, not even if DeMar drops 40. And what does he do? He drops 41. He said, George, Thank you got to drop 41 on them. Thank even you. Even though it's your boys. Does that. They steal game two. Bigger, though, Chris Middleton slipped on the court, sprained yeah. MCL out three to four weeks. The, the Celtics get the winners of Bucks bulls I still mm-hmm. think the Bucks end up winning it in five. Let me, let me, let me go that route now. Let me say in five. <laughs> see Listen, I, I am not against your Bucks in five prediction at all. 
I obviously knew that they were not going to sweep Chicago because we all know who DeMar DeRozan is. And he has proved himself. DeMar DeRozan was in the MVP race early in the season when he was hitting buzzer beaters back to back to back to back and winning games for Chicago. Um, but yeah, that, that's a huge win for them. Huge deal. And it's also a huge loss for the Bucks in Chris Middleton. I mean, that that right there, I mean... I don't know how long he's going to be out. You obviously don't want to play with a sprained MCL. You want to make sure that that heals properly because there is potential that if you rush that, that he will just tear it. And that's what you don't want. Um, so that's going to be huge for the Bucks to have to overcome. Do I think that Chicago can steal another one? Potentially, especially because they're going home, back home to Chicago to play. Um, but yeah, that's huge. That's huge. But shout out to DeMar DeRozan. I respect you. <laughs> I go to bat for you. Hey, Chris Middleton is, he's been Batman in the postseason in a great way. Yeah. He is their second, third best defender. You have Giannis and Drew, Drew Holiday and him. That is yep. just a massive loss. And it's the war of attrition. Cause you go to the Suns. We're talking about D book. He's out two to three weeks with his hamstring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see that happen. And I have my oh moment. I go, the mm -hmm. Celtics, they're not just the healthiest team right now. They're going to get healthier with Rob Williams. Exactly. To return in round two of the series. And if it's Rob Williams at 80% or 70%, you take that because of how the depth that the Celtics have, it all adds up really well for them. Mm -hmm. this, is a great, this is a great spot for the Celtics to be in. And I really like that you pointed out the fact that they're only going to get healthier and this is obviously where we are currently. No one can see the future, but the fact that they will be adding Rob Williams into this already just def this already strong defense is going to be huge for them. Um, so given the fact that, you know, if the Bucks do come out of the series and then the Celtics would face them, given whatever Chris Middleton's timeline could potentially be and how long this, the next Celtics series would go. I mean, that's also just like, you know, the Celtics are just walking into another, I guess, what's the right word? Not positive, but another situation that benefits them. You know, if you don't have to go up against Chris Middleton and you don't have that assignment on defense, I'm like, okay, that's what we're find, working with. You can't find a single playoff run any postseason that didn't have injuries affected. It's part of the game. Yeah, it is. Right, and, right. and the NBA and the seeding and everything, because people could say of what the Bucks did to get the Bulls if they try to throw the games late, so they'd rather get the Bulls in the first round than the Nets. Right. And even for the Sixers pulling Toronto, and they took a 3-0 series lead on them. I'm beyond impressed. Without yeah. Matisse Thybul up in Toronto, they win in OT on a Joel Embiid buzzer beater when he had 33 and 30. MVP. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. Uh, I want to change my first team vote from Jokic at the five <laughs> to Joel Embiid. But it's what they're doing, and you're just seeing it affect the lead. Now it's whether it's injuries because Toronto's without Scotty Barnes, rookie mm -hmm. of the year. Mm -hmm. Philly is without Matisse Thybul, their best defender, their yep. free safety, their fourth best player, you would say, after Harden, Embiid, and Tyrese Maxey. So you're just seeing how these teams step up, and it's just it's part of it. It's what you're going to get. Yep. And it goes for the Heat, who are probably going to beat the Hawks, are going to get the draw, and they're going to get the Sixers in the second round, and then you have Bucks falling to the Celtics. It's, it's, you just see it happening all across the league, and it's in, it's in small doses for the Celtics-Nets. And for all we know, yeah. Game four, Ben Simmons is on track to return. His rehab goes well. Yep. He's going to play. We'll see the impact he can make. And uh, for all we know with Rob Williams, because he's doing three on three and four on four, he's just not practicing, practicing with those Celtics mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. So that can affect too if he steps in game to an impact he has.
Yep, it'll be, I, I think adding Rob Williams will be, obviously it'll be huge. And I think it will just be great for the camaraderie of the team just to add that other uh, defensive player and also what he can do on offense for them. But one thing I do want to do is I do need to apologize to the Miami Heat uh-huh. and I'll Jimmy Butler because, <laughs> uh, because I definitely thought that Atlanta would steal one of the first two games. And I mean, Jimmy Butler just went off for 45. Oh, I thought you thought Atlanta would win the series. I definitely See guys, I write about everything else except for this, but um, 45 and they won the first two games. Um, I mean, Jimmy Butler is in his bag right now and he's completely taking over. Uh, not that I ever thought that Jimmy Butler like wasn't this great caliber of a player, but Trey Young in the postseason, I usually don't bet against. But the fact that they took both of those games and Jimmy's kind of just, you know, playing his best right now, extremely impressive. I mean, they were the number one seed for a reason, but yeah. And given with what they have in Bam Adebayo, yeah, and Kyle Lowry, and then you go beyond that, and you go Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. They got the heat got depth too. The heat really do have a lot of depth. I just, I haven't seen the offense click consistently enough for me to ride with them, but they just do have that depth. And Oladipo, I mean, I made a big push on him ending the season with 40. He didn't play in game two. Yeah. Yeah. Did not play coach's decision. You have Duncan Robinson. He playing seven minutes in game two, seven minutes. After he had a big game one role, it shows that as we talk about Ime Udoka and how good he is as a coach, and everyone knows about Eric Spolstra, mm-hmm. Duncan Robinson, A, that doesn't happen. B, he doesn't do it unless he trusts his guy. Because you go from 23 minutes and 27 points in game one, putting up 115 points on the Hawks, mm-hmm. and playing just seven minutes, having zero points, and then the Heat still pull up 115. Yeah. The East Duncan- is a buzzsaw. It, it is. It is. It really, really is. Duncan Robinson has a special place in my heart because he's a division three basketball player's dream. Um, but, <laughs> but I, I a hundred percent agree with you. And the fact that they obviously have this two nothing lead is huge in the way that they've been playing together is big. And so I would have to retract my statement. I don't want to, uh, we'll have to see how Atlanta can respond in game three, but it's not looking good. <laughs> Not looking good for the Hawks. Hey, just if you ever go to Miami, just, I don't know, contact some people down there. You probably know some peeps. Just give them a heads up. <laughs> like, hey, just let them know I'm sorry. I'll make, we'll I'll see if we can redact that. that point of the prior uh, podcast. Uh, oh, uh, I think an apology to Miami, a good note to end on. Shell, <laughs> game three, Saturday night. Yep. We both see the series going five. You'll be covering the game, game five, live at the Garden. Uh, I wanted to go. I wanted to go five. I want you to obviously see KD and Kyrie playing yeah. person, but experience that crowd going at Kyrie too. It literally is a treat. Yeah, man. I mean, it's no holds back out there. I mean, they oh, are. I going- love. After game one, I loved him. A saying what they said. Just I, I. To me, like when you curse, when you speak, you're telling the truth. You're being transparent to me. Right. As I am. Middle, we got. We got to talk about this real quick. Actually, then we'll end it because we got to yeah. go over the Kyrie thing. Middle fingers. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, it's immature, but I like the him saying, I like him finally saying it is what it is. You guys hate me, I'll hate you back. I'll match your energy. Enough mm-hmm. of the hey guys, 
2018 was a good time when I didn't show up for game seven because I had eye surgery and didn't even sit on the bench. Right. And then, you know, 2019, I said, hey, if you want to have me back, I'll gladly return. And then I leave with Kevin yeah. Durant. Yeah. Hey, guys, we had good times. There was no good times. There was no, yeah. good, there was no yeah. good times with it. It just wasn't worse. Right. Your right. generational talent, Boston fans don't love you as long as you admit that. Stop trying to play. Hey, guys, let's just be cool. It'll be fun. And just say, you know what? I'm going to be a villain like Trey Young is to all his opponents in the postseason. Do that. Own <laughs> it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I love the levels, too. I just love that. Yeah. Especially if you go out and drop 39 on them. It's just fun. Dude, listen. And that's my thing about Kyrie is everyone obviously goes about things differently. And I understand you wanting to reciprocate the way that they're, you know, feeling about you towards them. But dude, you just dropped 40 pretty much on them. Like that's a, that's a big enough statement. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's tough being out there and the energy is there and things are hot and, you know, if you want to respond, whatever. But like KD said, Kevin Durant was asked about the Kyrie Celtics relationship and all that. And he was basically saying, you know, these people will not forget that, you know, you were here. These are the best, some of the best fans in the world. I think the best fans in the world. And they have experiences that you altered or you changed or you had an impact on when you were here. And so they feel a certain type of way. They have a right to feel that way. Sometimes the way that fans go about things, I would not. Sometimes the way that Kyrie goes about things, I would not. But if they feel like they want to do that, so be it. But I do agree with the fact that you said that, you know what, let's just own up to it. Let's just all come to terms with the fact that, like, there's beef, like, <laughs> respectfully, there's beef between the two. And that's how it's going to be from now on. Like, just leave it at that. I'm about, you know, everybody love everybody, but unless it's warranted and the hate is warranted, which it is on yeah. both sides, I'm just own it. You know what? You're not going to sleep any different at night on either side of this. As long as you guys just say, you know what? This is what it is. This is life. Got to live it. Kyrie, <laughs> end of the day, is being paid so handsomely to play the best sport in the world. Right. No, I mean, it's a fun stuff that comes with it. And if I'm going to get a little hate, I'm going to get a little hate. Is what That's it. That's it. And the Celtics are up 2-0. So there you go. Yeah. End of the, yeah. End of the day. It's like, hate, hate them as much as you want, brother. You got to right. concentrate on being the Celtics a little more. All right. That's it. It's a wrap on game two. The energy is shifting to Brooklyn. We'll join you guys next week. For George Blechian, Chelsea Sherrod, thank you so much for making us a part of your day and listening to the Nets and Celtics podcast.